Hi there. Thank you for connecting with me and subscribing to Living the Sky Life podcast. I hope that the content of each episode brings you hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways. The Special Needs Parenting Village is large, so you should never feel like you have to travel this journey alone. Please connect with me through my Living the Sky Life Facebook page or Instagram account, and let's keep this conversation going after each episode airs. Thanks again for tuning in for Season 2 of Living the Sky Life. On today's episode of Living the Sky Life, I have the opportunity of sitting down and having a chat with a new friend of mine um, who I have just grown to know and really, really appreciate how open and honest she is. My guest is Kate Swenson. Um, Some of you may know her as the founder of Finding Cooper's Voice, a movement in the autism community that has opened the doors to a lot of families and a lot of parents sharing resources, stories, feelings, all the things due to Kate's honesty and openness um, about her own struggles with a child on the spectrum. So Kate is a mother, wife, writer, and caregiver advocate. She and her husband, Jamie, live in Minnesota with their three adorable boys, Cooper, Sawyer, and Harbor. Currently, she is working on her memoir, entitled Forever Boy, and Building Coops Troops, which is a safe space for parents of children of special needs on Facebook. I will, of course, link up all the ways to communicate and get in contact with Kate, Finding Cooper's Voice, be a member of Coop's Troop, and all the things um, at the end of the show notes. So enjoy my conversation with Kate Swenson. So today's episode of Living the Sky Life, I have the distinct pleasure of having Finding Cooper's Voice founder, Kate Swenson, with me today, all the way from freezing cold Wisconsin, although it's probably nice now. <laughs> or Minnesota. It is, I mean, it's like it's supposed to be 70 today. We went to winter and then back to summer, which is really quite normal for here. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like that here too. It's in the almost the 80s this whole week, which is nuts, nice. but I'll take it. Yeah. I, I hate snow. <laughs> me too. So, you know, obviously most of the autism community knows you as Cooper's mom um, and finding Cooper's voice, the mass um, autism group that I think hundreds of thousands of people are uh, members of. Um, but I want to kind of go back a little bit and find out a little bit more about you. You know, prior to being a mom, Cooper's your first. Um, and you had two beautiful children after that. But um, I want to know about you, like your career, your hobbies, things that you were into and you and your husband before autism be- kind of became sadly mm-hmm. your identity, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, being mm-hmm. an autism mom. So Tell us about Kate. <laughs> yeah, so I, it's so funny. My first two chapters of my book that I'm just finishing up writing are all about before Cooper because, you know, there was 20 some years there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love kids. I've always loved kids. I wanted dozens. I um, don't think my husband wanted that many. He was probably happy at three. <laughs> but I grew up technically, I say technically, which is a funny word, but as an only child. And it was lonely. I'm honest about that. Like I spent a lot of time alone. I had a great imagination, which is good. I was with my dog, but I was lonely. We lived in the country and there was just no kids to play with. And I wanted the opposite for my children. So I wanted to have a full house full of chaos, lots of grandkids. If you look way in the future, those big Christmases. And we got pregnant right away after uh, getting married, which I 
looking back, if I could give advice to young people, travel, travel, travel. <laughs> uh, we were pregnant right away. And I do think, honestly, that that put a bit of a strain on our marriage right away because Cooper was such a challenging baby. Who knows? I don't know. I mean, it could be wrong. Could have been any baby. Um, had him, we got married in September and we had him, you know, a little bit over a year later. And he, um, when I had him, I worked full time as a project manager for a financial nonprofit and I loved my job. My job was my identity. It made me happy. It filled me up. It was something I never wanted to lose. And I was able to maintain that career, all of Cooper's, um, for that, that job for six years of his life. Uh, but I did have to cut back because any autism mom knows speech, OT, all the appointments. Um, I couldn't do it. I couldn't be at work 40 hours a week and be with Cooper 20 hours. It's just the advocating that he needed on his behalf wasn't allowed, but I kept it. I had a great employer and I kept it and I was proud of that. And I, it's like a badge of honor to me. If parents can't, I fully understand because it, and maybe it wasn't smart of me. I mean, it probably almost broke me trying to lead meetings with my phone dinging because my kid had something happen. Uh, but it was important to me and I did it. And um, we knew Cooper was, I don't, I, I won't say autistic because we didn't know what autism was, but we knew something was going on from the day that he was born. He was never a easy baby. Um, the words colic <laughs> came up all the time. Is he, I mean, you know, we had ear infections, constipation. We had, it was, there were no easy days, which was very conflicting for me. I think a lot of moms will relate to this too, because I babysat my whole life. I was around kids my whole life. I had never met a baby like Cooper and I couldn't figure out, I blame myself a lot of the times because obviously I was doing something wrong. I mean, he woke up every 45 minutes around the clock. I mean, clearly there's something that, Jamie or I was doing wrong. Newsflash, there wasn't. <laughs> but that's, you know, what first-time moms feel. So, you know, we were able to get him in daycare, but um, it just didn't work for long. Uh, kiddos like Cooper, there really typically isn't a place for them in daycare, and we learned that pretty quickly. And that took a toll on both of our careers. Um, after that, you know, we had to move to get Cooper services. We moved to a much larger city and I was able to transfer my job, blessed, very blessed. And then I made a move to a media company, which I loved my job, loved, loved, loved. And then, um, I was able to do blogging and writing and videos full time. And it was a great move but I did lose a bit of my identity and a bit of my sanity and all those things that come with working outside the home. Uh, what else? Hobbies? I don't have any. Um, I, I, it's kind of funny that you brought that up because I'm going through some hard times right now and I'm trying to figure out what I enjoy doing. What do I like? <laughs> I think the answer is nothing, which is really concerning. Am I? Um, yeah. Like, I mean, I know what I like, but if I can choose between doing something and sitting on my phone in a dark room, well, I may pick that. Um, some of that is, do you, do you feel that you have to justify, like if you decided, you know, I really like 
scrapbooking or something. I don't know. And if you wanted to be alone by yourself or go to a, a weekend um, event and you scrapbook with friends or whatever, do you feel yeah. guilty of carving out any time for yourself and, you know, leaving the three boys? So my husband is very good at carving out time for himself. And I'm saying that with like love and uh, respect. He, he has very distinct hobbies that he loves doing. He loves hunting. He loves fishing. He probably goes on, he'll get mad at me for saying this, but two or three trips with his buddies a year. And, and I'm in full, full support, right. full support. Mm -hmm. I am very lucky in the sense that he's the same with me. If I wanted to go somewhere, he would be in full support. Um, he actually encourages me to do things. I don't. And there's a couple reasons. First, I find it very hard to get a group of moms together and all my friends are moms. We all are going a million miles a minute. So when I, when I do get free time, I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Like go sit at a bar by myself? Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't want to stop. I don't, it's kind of funny. You know, it's like Jamie would go grab lunch and like have a beer. And I'm like, well, that feels weird. I don't want to. Yeah, do I don't know how to be social and out, right? I don't, know <laughs> like, I don't know how to communicate with people that are 10 and above. <laughs> no. And then the other thing is, is I, um, I am so work driven and mother driven that I don't know how to turn it off. It's another thing. I'm in this big self growth thing. I'm trying to figure out how to turn it off and go somewhere. And I, I can't adding the third baby and really change that. It's just a lot. It's, it's a lot. When you, um, going back, when you said you worked for the media company and you started, you know, blogging and doing a lot of those things, did you blog about anything prior to Cooper? I mean, did you have a blog that was about anything else or did, did the finding Cooper's voice blog kind of start the blogging for you? Yeah. So I was sitting, Cooper was, he wasn't diagnosed. So I will say he was two and a half and I was sitting on my couch in Duluth, Minnesota, the dead of winter, I knew something was going on, wasn't getting support from doctors, couldn't figure it out. And I said to my husband, I'm like, I just created a WordPress blog. Like I thought it was so cool, you know? <laughs> and he's like, what's the name? And I'm like, I'm not telling you because I don't want you to read because I'm going to mostly write about you. <laughs> so I didn't tell anyone. And I really, if you look back at that writing, it is just a hot mess. I mean, I just poured my heart and soul. Honest though. And it, it wasn't pretty and it wasn't well-written and it, but it, I, it's, it was me. And there were periods where I didn't write. I wrote a lot about Cooper's um, misdiagnosis of a hearing loss. I wrote a lot about, and then there were things that I would, I would take long breaks and then write looking back the diagnosis. And <laughs> it's really been a great resource to have when writing my book because there's so many things that happened that I forgot. Yeah. And then I actually had no desire to have growth. Like I was, it wasn't, I, um, people may find this to be a shock. I never wanted to be an advocate. So that, I, I never wanted my, my thing that I said was, I don't want to pick up the torch and pound the pavement. I just want to help my own kid. And it, when it dawned on me that by helping the community as a whole, I was helping Cooper and by helping Cooper, I was helping the community as a whole. I was like, well, maybe I should talk a little bit more about our life. And um, I created a Facebook page and I had really rapid growth on there. I had, you know, different viral pieces and different things that happened, but it's still been, it's been a whirlwind. It um, has not been a, 
sit back and watch it grow type thing. It's been, I haven't stood still since I started that Facebook page. It's you know, and it's so funny because obviously I'm seven years ahead of you as far as, um, you know, just being an autism mom or whatever. And you, I think the growth, I would wager that the growth from all of that came because so many moms like me didn't, well, we didn't have Facebook when we were diagnosed and any of that stuff, but everyone was just kind of trying to figure it out on their own. I don't know why a lot of us chose to do it that way. I think we just really still felt like this was a one out of 2000 kids. Like there just really is nobody in my community like us. So I'm like, well, I'm probably the only one in the state of Indiana that has a kid on the spectrum. I mean, I just didn't know how to reach out and find other people. And with you being so honest, I remember, I don't even know how long ago it was when I first came across your blog, all I remember is the picture and what you wrote about. It was you in the bathroom, I think on the floor. And I think the door was closed or something. And you, you were, I mean, I could read it in, in, in the tone in which you wrote that you were losing it. You were like, you know, my husband's at work. I'm trying to deal with these kids and all that. And all I could think of is, oh my gosh, can her husband stay home? Or like, can't, you know, like she doesn't get a break. She doesn't get out of the house. And I just think that that touches people that, they're all saying, me too, damn it. I'm feeling the same thing she's feeling. She's just willing to talk about it and be vulnerable, which as you know, and as you've said before to all your followers, that opens you up to a lot of criticism, negativity. So when that all started coming your way, um, it was great probably in the beginning. A lot of people were like, thank you so much for speaking up and telling your story. And, and now I feel like I should tell mine. But then the first negative comment you got or the first critic that spoke out about you, how did that feel? Because I don't know that I'm ready for that. If that happens to me, when that happens to me, I'm sure it will. <laughs> so. Yeah. So I still remember uh, vividly having 2000 followers on Facebook and knowing almost each of them by name. Like I knew it was a wonderful, I was like, this is the best thing ever because I had found a very, um, tight knit group of moms that were like me. And it was just a really wonderful, heartwarming space for me. Mm -hmm. And then um, the first mean comment I actually got, I wrote about, it came on YouTube. So YouTube is scary to me. I don't use YouTube anymore, but um, cause I didn't, video on Facebook was relatively new. That sounds funny. I know because we've always thought of Facebook video, but it's relatively new. So I actually put videos on YouTube first and they were just like, still today. They're just me talking into my phone. They're not edited. They're not fancy. They're not classy. <laughs> they're just real. And I, a man commented about, um, the, the comment was something like, if I saw your kid, I would knock that R word out. And like, he was a dad that was mad that kids like Cooper were mainstreamed and in school. And it, it like, shocked me. Like I did not know that a kid like mine, any kid wouldn't be accepted with open arms. I just assumed everybody loved all kids and kids, you know, I didn't know that. I mean, while I knew that my son was challenging in certain ways, I like, I didn't know that he, people might not like him because he had autism. I mean, it was, it was so eye-opening for me that I, there were different periods where I stopped writing for a long time. I just internalized, I would be brave and then I would pull back. Um, we had the park incident where Cooper was verbally attacked at a park by a dad. I didn't know I, that. I, I mean, I don't know a lot of the backstory. 
I'm a yeah, relatively so, yeah. new. My first pulse, we went to a special needs park in our community. It was created for a family um, by a, a created by a family of a little girl who passed away. Yeah, Super inclusive, beautiful. Like I always say, this the inclusive parks are the best, which is why everyone wants to go there. Which is actually not a good thing yeah, because then there's they not break room. our stuff. <laughs> That's yes. our biggest problem. <laughs> well, and there's no room because the kids are in, this is, it's like, this is not a blame thing, but like the kids, because I could say it about Sawyer, the kids are moving so fast that like a clumsy Cooper can't, you know, so he was um, on a platform and I'm the kind of mom that still to this day, Cooper's going to be 10. I'm in the tubes. I'm in the tunnels. I'm on the slides. He is not alone ever. He just is unable to, it's just not, not okay. And I was right by him and I had stepped down and he, what he likes to do then was um, drop to the ground and like stretch. So he'd be like laying on his back, right? And like rolling um, unsafe on the top. And he bumped a little girl and she went down the slide, didn't fall or anything, didn't cry. But the parents laid into Cooper. I mean like laid in. And he was like standing over him and Cooper had, had zero cognitive awareness of what was happening and like giggled and like ran off, which is very unsafe. Like he couldn't be away. And I felt the need. I was like, face him or do I stand here? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I think I was literally like, dude, he has autism. Like you need to chill out. Like, I mean, I was, I mean, I just like was so flabbergasted and he had it out with me and I um, cried and yelled and screamed and a crowd gathered and like I, <laughs> I was dragging Cooper along like we're going to the car you know and he's like blah, 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 you know, like so happy and this man and I are fighting the whole way he's like your monster of a kid is not allowed here and I'm like look where we're at we're at a special needs park yeah um, and it was the first time that I realized that um he had unsafe behaviors and people could choose kindness and um, empathy or they could choose to be mean. And I did a lot of interviews after that. And this is the interesting part about it is I wanted the narrative to be education about autism, understanding um, how do we continue to live in a world that doesn't understand us? How do we keep him safe, others safe? But the message that every news outlet, and I was interviewed numerous times, was that the man was a monster. It was very interesting. It was my first time having my message twisted. Yeah. I do think it served a great purpose, but did it move us, move the needle in, I don't know. I don't know. And that, that was my first real big step into um, advocacy, I guess. It, just, it seems like we're damned if we do and we're damned if we don't. If we all come out outside of the month of April and we're like, you know, asking for modifications in places or things for our yeah. kids to be able to be included. And, you know, even um, I had a guest on once and they were talking about um, like fire safety at school. Um, it was Ashley Parker. And um, she was talking about how the firemen and they all come and, and they they're so proactive that they would bring trucks with no lights, no noise, all of that on one side of the building for the kids oh. that were sensor had sensory issues. So they could still meet the firemen and not be afraid of them and That's see the amazing. truck. Yeah. And then the other side was for, you know, all the traditional kids in the school that loved all the noises and all that stuff. But if people aren't forward thinking like that, the other side of the coin is that we are like, Oh my gosh, why can't they just not be here that day? Like, 
they don't need to know about fire safety. They don't understand anyway. And just, it's just really cruel and mean. And the only people that internalize all of that are the parents. Because mm -hmm. like Cooper, Skyler's like oblivious that anybody's mean to him. They roll their eyes at him. They stare at him. He doesn't know. He doesn't care at all. He doesn't even see it. It's me that's like, why are you looking at my kid? Like I start to get super mad and, you know, just, I don't he know. Did, just, I yeah. did a post once about, so we weren't able to be in the community for many years. And even today it's limited, but it's getting better. Like Cooper's had huge gains. Yeah, we're able saw to that. It's so great. A little bit more and a little bit more. And we went to our first water park a year ago and we actually went on a Sunday night during April, right after spring break. And it was for autism awareness month and there was no one there. So it was this like great experience. And Cooper was able to like move around and be relaxed. And I said to him, I'm like, do you want to go on a water slide? And he was like, yeah, which he would never be able to do because he's unable to wait in line. Um, and it would just be too stressful for him to be surrounded by kids and noise. So we walked up to this water slide, we go up, he goes down and I've never seen him so joyful. And that next day I wrote a post about with teeny modifications, kids like Cooper can be in our community. And it was read by some like, we want the whole world changed and everything. <laughs> like People were mad. They're like, why should your kid not have to wait in line and mine does? Just teach them that that's behavior supposed to and follow. I, it was <laughs> yeah. so, like, it was like I had hit a wall and I'm like, you're right. We just won't yeah. go. You know, I didn't know what, I, I get to the point where I can't fight anymore, but it's like teeny modifications. They're not hurting anyone, but they're the world to him. But I don't think we're there yet. I don't think that's the norm yet. I mean, it's like little steps too. I'm sure throughout the the U.S. at least, um, other states also have like sensory friendly days at the movie theaters, and you know we do broad the Broadway shows here in in Louisville, and they have a day where the the the, the music and all of the lights and everything is turned down a little bit, and it's just you know just for our kids. While I hate that they are isolated again and like they can only go on Wednesday at two o'clock because that's the sensory time. I love the, that the effort is being made to oh, not exclude them permanently from those things. So I love that. I mean, like you said, it's little, little strides that we're making, but, but yeah, I mean, why can't a water park have like a designated eight to 10 on a Tuesday morning that, you know, anyone with sensory issues or disabilities can come and not have to wait in long lines. And, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> It'd be easier for all of us. Is making a difference though. I think, I try to remain optimistic. I think the work that you and I put in now will be life-changing for kids that are two and three, just like the work that parents put in mm -hmm. my supporter group, the moms, you know, I can see their faces. They have 20 year olds. Mm -hmm. They paved the way for us and it, yep. it's, we have to pick it up and we have to keep going. We can't hide. We have to keep going. Well, yeah. And I like that. I mean, I love that you started so young in Cooper's life of, of advocating and making things public because, you know, with Skylar being 17 and I've met a lot of those moms you talked about. Um, and I'm in that place now where I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with him in my local community because the day programs for an 18 or 21 year old look a lot different than programs for a 10 and 11 year old. So I'm just hoping to to make that difference and, and somehow get these programs off the ground before 
all the kids that are young get to this place and then they can call me and I'll say, okay, this is the person you call. This is the number. This is the everything. And this is what you need to do next. This is SSI. This is, you know, here's a, here's step-by-step guide for what you need to handle. So. Well, did you feel like it, for me, COVID was really eye-opening in the sense. So Cooper lost all services overnight and while the schools offered, um, Cooper was, he was at a therapy center. So my other son, Sawyer, Sawyer, Mm -hmm. he was having Zooms. And while it was very rushed, they were doing the best they could with Cooper. Everything just stopped because he would not be able to do a Zoom. And Mm -hmm. um, I had this really scary realization that I hadn't had yet at age nine, that this is what after 18 could be like, or 21. And uh, I, I can't have him um, sitting on my couch every day from age 18 to age, however, till I pass, he can't, that's not healthy. He can't, he needs to be doing things and being active and, um, socializing, but like you're, you're going through this too. You don't just go to a park. You don't just go to a, (laughs) I don't just put him in community ed. So I don't know either. So I'm thankful that you, you know, you're talking about it because I felt very bleak during COVID. I'm like, there's just nothing for Cooper after 18. Yeah. Well, and sadly, the stuff that I'm finding, I, we have to move. So it's not only a what's in Skylar's best interest, but it's like, okay, crap. Both of our jobs are here. Um, yep. Could we get transferred? What other services do they have for people on the spectrum in addition to just a day program? So, you know, would we uproot our entire family and do all of these things because he's going to be with us forever long term? So, is, you know, Colorado the best place for us to retire because they have the best services for him? Sadly, our future is dictated by what yes. he's going to get and what benefits he's going to get and that kind of thing. I mean, and that's okay. I've already rationalized that with myself that, you know, yep. my retirement's going to look a little different than a lot of people, uh-huh. <laughs> but I'm okay with that. So, um, so, you know, just talking about Cooper present day, obviously I know COVID was a struggle, but he has come so far um, from just the early videos and early blogs and things that I've read about him and seen about him over the years with his like communication and some of that. So where is he now? Like how long was the transition to getting his first words? Cause I've seen the videos. He's so cute. And obviously his love of trains and what, what did you use um, to kind of motivate him to get some of the, you know, verbalization that you're getting out of him? Because we all struggle with that. Like the motivation part is the hardest thing for us. Yep. So, um, you know, I'm fully transparent and I am fully pr- transparent in my, my book, which is kind of scary. I'm sure you thought that too. I can't wait. Um, <laughs> uh, but we are, um, my third baby was born October 9th, 2018. And at that point, Cooper was, would he have been? seven and a half, eight, whatever, however it fell in there. And at that point he had um, zero words, zero approximations. Um, he had no speech like sounds. And I had, I had fully grieved the words. And when I say that to, to parents of younger children, like, yeah, parents of younger children who are so hopeful for words, I would never squash that. Hold on to that hope forever. But for me personally, I had to focus on other forms of communication. I was living in this in-between space that was really unhealthy for me. So I said goodbye to words. I fully grieved it. I buried it down and I was done. And we focused on speech device, had great success. 
We focused on yes and no questions and pointing and had good success with that. And that's, that was enough. Uh, that was enough because he could tell me when he wanted juice. He could tell me when he wanted to snack, when he had to go potty. We were good. And so Harbor was born and um, Cooper really, um, how do I word it? He took a turn for the worse. And I think what it was, was he lost a lot of his time with me. We were still in the same room together, but he wasn't getting, uh, had a newborn. So he wasn't getting the puzzles and the flashcards. And I worked with Cooper nonstop. He was, um, near me, but not getting the same level of engagement. He wasn't on my lap. He wasn't, which happened with both my kids. I mean, that's just a a newborn. And he, for the first time in his life, became very aggressive and very uh, dangerous um, to his brother. And I open up a lot about this. Um, It was the first time in our life where we're like, are we going to be able to keep him forever? It was the first time that, because I'm keeping that kid forever. And it was the first time where I was like, how do I keep my other children safe? And I felt a lot of shame about that because you don't talk about that publicly. Even today, I don't talk a lot about aggression because I don't want to defend. Cooper's a great kid who struggles with keeping his body safe. I don't want someone to say he's a monster. I don't want someone to say that he, I don't want to do it. So that's our secret. And we keep that, to, you know, but is that doing a disservice? Probably. I don't know the right answer, but we went through that pretty much alone. And shortly after my mother-in-law said, she's a nurse. And she said to me, or I actually said to her for the first time ever, I can't do this anymore. Um, I was sitting on the floor of her kitchen and I was holding Cooper in a bear hug and he was headbutting me over nothing. And I broke down and I had never done that before. I was like, I can't do this anymore. You have to, and I thought for sure she was going to say group home, which I would not even listen to. And uh, she said, have you thought about meds? And I said, no, no one had ever mentioned meds. Not one doctor, not one teacher. Hmm. Never. (laughs) And I don't know if I was closed off, but I feel like I'm a pretty easy person to talk to, but no one had recommended it. And she said this really powerful sentence to me. She said, if he was a diabetic, you would give him insulin. She's like, his head hurts. Something hurts. You have to help him. And for the first time, like these tables had turned and and all of a sudden I was like, am I not helping my, I I, I was like, have I missed this for this long? I just, and then I really threw myself into research and my research typically comes from other parents and before doctors, to be honest, I um, turned to other moms and I was opened up to this world of anxiety, ADHD, all these things that no one had ever really told me before that Cooper had classic (laughs) signs and symptoms of. And I made an appointment for meds after agonizing because I was never going to do it. And then I canceled the first appointment, obviously, because I'm like, no. And then (laughs) when, and I'm like, I was armed with data, right? I'm armed. He's having 45 behaviors a day, 45 aggressions. He's, and I'm, you know, I'm armed with his dad and my little notebook, right? And I'm in the room with this amazing nurse practitioner. We talked about that, Lori. And um, she had these old metal tables, like the metal doctor's tables. I mean, they have to be hundred years old. And I'm thinking I'm going to have to argue, right? I'm thinking like everything in the past, I'm going to have to lay out my case and I'm on trial here. And Cooper is running around that room, ripping things off the walls, laying on the ground, kicking that table. We could hardly even talk. And these silent tears start coming out of my face. 
and she puts her arm on me and she's like, how can I help you? And I'm like, oh my God, you know, no one had ever said that to me before. And, um, I would say within four days, it was three days maybe of starting anti-anxiety meds, Cooper sat for the first time in his entire life. And it was such a powerful moment. Jamie and I hugged him and held him on the couch. And he was like, what? <laughs> so funny. He was like, what's happening? And then within weeks, he had words. Um, they're not words like anyone else. I mean, they're- But you understand um, him? Yep. So he has, um, you know, um, I don't think anyone would understand them. We fluently do, but, you know, paper, cookie, um, home, no, yes, mom, Sawyer, Harbor, um, probably about 30 words that came really quickly. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was such a gift. It was a gift in a, in a bow with a million dollars handed to us that we never had expected. And I firmly believe I never need anything else for the rest of my life because mm -hmm. Now, is he conversational? No. Well, with me, he is. We have full conversations, Cooper and I do. But anyone else, no. He's still entirely nonverbal, I would say, with anyone else. And that's okay. Yeah, I mean, to get the yes and no, I'd give my right arm for that. You know? I know. You just don't know. And, and you know, something you said earlier, like, you don't want to talk too much about him not being verbal and, um, you know, you don't want to give parents with newly diagnosed kids and young kids, no hope. Nope. I look at it the other way. And one of the reasons I started this podcast is that, you know, I'm very open with the fact that my son will be 18 in April has never uttered a single word, no yep. sounds, nothing at all. Um, and it's been a struggle, <clears throat> but I want people to know that it's, it's okay. Like it's there's okay. ways to figure out what he needs. He eats fine. He's not malnourished. He's not sleep deprived. I mean, we're sleep deprived, but he's not. And um, I mean, I know what it is that he needs enough to take care of him. And I never have given up. I mean, we continue the pecs, we continue yeah. spelling now and we're doing everything possible. Something will click eventually on his time. And that was the biggest lesson I had to let go of. It's not my time. It's his he might not just want to say anything right now. I mean, he, for as frustrated as I see that he is, he just, he can't, you know, all the therapists over the years have explained to me, it's not that he is trying to be headstrong and he's like, I'm not talking. You want me to talk? I'm not doing it. He, his, his mind and his mouth don't work together. There is a disconnect. He knows everything he wants to say, which he's proven to us by spelling. He can yeah. spell words that I didn't even know he knew um, without any help but his mouth just does not connect to his brain. So, yeah. I mean, that day that connection turns on, I will be beside myself to hear him say mom for the first well, time or whatever, but. Two things that I wanna say is, um, so my goal even now is, is not speech. So I'm not pouring myself, we're, I mean, we're doing speech, of course, we'll probably be doing speech forever, but I'm pouring myself into typing and spelling because even if Cooper continues to have words, everything I've heard from other parents and even adults with autism is it's easier if you're able to type it out. So my goal is spelling and typing and that's what I'm gonna pour my efforts into. So, but the other thing I wanna touch on that you just said is when Cooper was two, three, four, five, six, I used to have this saying, um, and it wasn't healthy, but it was in my internal monologue, and it was this, how could this ever be okay? How could nonverbal 
at 20 be okay. That's sad. And I had this um, unhealthy, but my, my, my path, that was my inner monologue because I truly couldn't understand how it could be okay. And you just touched on this. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Cooper still has severe, somewhat nonverbal autism. He's happy. He's joyful. Our family's happy and joyful. We have our struggles. We learn, we overcome. You have to kind of get over that mindset that your life is going to look like everyone else's and realize that it can look okay how you have it too. You know? Yeah. Speech isn't going to solve our problems. He's still autistic regardless if he can tell me like mom, because I've met many people um, who have, you know, their kids don't have as big of a problem with speech. They have a whole different issue because their kids are like, I hate you. I hope you die. Like, you know, because their behaviors are still there. Their aggression is still there. And now they're verbal and they're able to tell you that they hate you to your face. I think I'd rather Skylar not say anything to me than look at me and tell me he hates me. I know he doesn't, but they don't know how else to express their emotion. So maybe yeah. silence is a good thing <laughs> in some respects. I don't know if you're trying to find a silver lining. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh well, yeah. My, my seven-year-old has told me he hates me and Cooper, I can't imagine ever saying something so hurtful. Like he's just, I mean, he's just so sweet. Like he would never, even when he's yeah. mad, I can't imagine him saying something like that. Yeah. I mean, hormones, man, it's coming though. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> they changed for sure. Now, um, I know obviously when Harvey was little and even probably when Sawyer was little, it was a little tough for Cooper to maybe share attention, all that stuff with these boys. But um, seeing Cooper and Sawyer, at least now, they seem like all three boys really interact quite well, don't they? Or are there still issues with um, attention or, I mean, how does Sawyer do with everything? I would say no attention issues. Um, Cooper has had a big breakthrough in the last COVID, honestly, I think all of us being together where he wants Sawyer's attention, but he doesn't know how to get it appropriately. So he, it's a, it's a really uh, complex thing to explain, but other autism moms often nod because they get it. He wants to play, but he has never played in the traditional sense. He's never played the toy. He's never played the ball. He's never played at a park traditionally. He doesn't know how to do that with somebody and that's fine, but he wants to play with this seven-year-old brother. So what he does is he pokes at him. Not <laughs> annoying. It's a Just classic typical annoying. brother stuff too. Yeah. <laughs> it is, but he always takes it too far. He'll kind of pull on his shirt. He wants to wrestle. He wants to, and Sawyer doesn't quite have the emotional understanding yet to be like, oh, we're, we're working on it. We're getting there. But he's like, he'll get, you, you know, Cooper will poke at him for so long. They'll wrestle for a little bit. And he's like, okay, I'm done now. Let's, I want to watch my iPad. And Cooper wants to keep going. So he just keeps bothering him. So it's really great when it happens. It's really, I, I feel for Sawyer a little bit, but it's also very typical. <laughs> and then the baby, um, he's two. And he very much is intrigued by Cooper, by Cooper's sound, by Cooper's iPad, by Cooper's puzzles. His oh, Cooper's like a walking, like. Well, they can learn from each other. They're both kind of like two, you know? Yeah. So like they, exactly. So a lot of their language, oh, Harbor's language is unbelievable. But like, for example, like they learned the word bus at the same time. Oh. You know, and like Cooper says, um, Mm-hmm. And, you know, the baby's like, bus. <laughs> <I'm> like, <"Ooh." laughs> um, 
but he, so, so uh, the baby very much picks on Cooper. So it's really funny. It's a very typical dynamic. Uh, Sawyer grieved, and I, I'm going to use that word. He grieved the typical sibling relationship a couple of years ago. He asked me if he was the older brother. He asked me why his brother didn't protect him when something happened with a neighbor kid. He, um, he's, he has definitely stepped into the older brother role. He holds his hand in the parking lot. He buckles his seatbelt if he needs to, although Cooper can do it now independently. We worked on that for years. Um, he hugs him in the hallway at school. Like he is your older brother. I love that. Yeah. I mean, it's so hard, but I just, I'm sure with your parenting and Jamie's, he would have, Sawyer would have grown up to be an amazing young man anyway, but I just feel like that's the one, I dare I say a blessing with our kids, like my daughter, they just become the most amazing people. They're so empathetic and they're just so caring and thoughtful of others and, you know, to their detriment sometimes, because I think my daughter, you know, takes a lot of stuff, internalizes it because she doesn't want to burden us or bother us with anything going on with her and her teenage life because we have so much to worry about with her brother, which sucks. And I don't like that, but you know, you just kind of have to work through those things as they come. (laughs) Someone once told me, I thought this was interesting and I don't think it's necessarily true for Sawyer, but a little bit. I have a friend who has a daughter with um, profound special needs. It's a, a very interesting syndrome a cutest little thing ever. And then an older sister who's neurotypical and the older sister was really having struggles emotionally. And when they went and visited a therapist, the therapist said that sometimes the older or the other siblings emotional um, understanding can be stunted. It can be stopped at when that traumatic period was going on. And I look at Sawyer and he definitely, I wouldn't, he doesn't cope with emotions. I don't know what I'm going to compare it to, but he gets very frustrated and very emotional and then he's fine. But I think some of it does have to happen or it does come from seeing a brother who melts down, self-injures, aggressive. And it's like, well, that's how we do things around here. That's how I'm going to do things too. You know, you see it happening and you don't really know how to fix it as parents there's no baby books for that stuff for sure it can go both directions your child can say well if temper tantrums are what works then both of your other boys could start doing the same thing to get the attention that cooper gets or the other direction i feel like again with my daughter i just feel like she she's so much of a perfectionist and always has been straight a's always just and she panics i mean she has anxiety anyway but she get really, really upset if she couldn't learn to ride a bike at the very first try or anything. She feels like a failure. She quits. She's like, I, I suck at this. I'm done. And she just, she doesn't handle adversity very well when it comes to herself. And which yeah. is so interesting because I don't know, I don't know where, I mean, I don't, I don't understand that because I wasn't like that as a kid. So I'm trying to figure out how, if she was stunted emotionally too for herself and I don't know. Yeah. That's a really interesting perception, I guess, that they could be, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Well, um, you mentioned your book already. Um, that's probably, what, a year from being released with all of the editing and the processes. I know it takes a while. So um, long. Yep, a year. I would say about a year out. I'm so excited for that project. And um, is there anything else that you're working on? I know just in talking to you the last few days, I feel like we've 
we've talked to each other so much um, that you're kind of feeling like you're spread extremely thin right now. You've got so much going on. You know, what, what is the next year you think look like for you while you're waiting for the book to come out, but do you want to pull back in some ways with, with regard to autism in general, or just pursue other things in your life? Maybe find that hobby, <laughs> find that free time. What, what does it look like for you? I hate to see you sad and like, you know, just feeling like the world is on your shoulders right now. I am really internalizing the negativity online and it's always been that way with me. Um, you can get a thousand happy comments and one mean and you feel that my skin is thick. I I've been doing this for a long time, but in the world we are right now, the anger online is the worst I've ever seen it. And it's, it's, it's hard to pour your heart out and be your true authentic self when you get beat up for it. So what I've really been focusing on is my supporter group. And you remember, I have a supporter group called Coops Troops. And I try to pour myself into there as much as I can because it's a much smaller group. And it's, I feel like it's been cultivated to be moms who really understand and want to give support and want to learn and educate. So I want to continue to pour myself into there. Um, I'm working on saying no. That is a new thing that's new to me. I always felt like I had to say yes to everything. So I'm working on saying no. Um, I have to decide what I want to share. I get a lot of feedback, um, negative comments, you know, about my baby's hair. Uh, I love his hair. Don't cut it. <laughs> I, get a I lot have of so many friends that have little boys with man buns and who cares? I love it. <laughs> I get a lot of negativity about Cooper's weight and it's like, I just don't think that a child's appearance should ever be commented on publicly. I think it's just some sick, twisted crap. Oh, yep. But um, like, here's an example. This is kind of funny. So yesterday I posted a video about how we ripped up our carpet and put new flooring in. And I was showing my dog <clears throat> who is wrecked our carpet. She's old. And I knew the second I posted it, that someone was going to criticize me for something about her. And the first comment within three seconds was about her nails being too long. And I can tell that I'm yeah. And Holy I can tell crap. that I'm in a dark space because I was just like, come on people like lay off me. I'm and I, uh, so I have to figure out, you know, do I want to continue to share my baby? Do I want to continue to share Cooper at the level that I am? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't have an answer yet. That stinks. I, you know, I just don't get it. I don't understand why people feel so comfortable because they're behind a, a keyboard to just be so cruel. I always think, would you say that to my face? If you would walked up to me, would you say, God, your kid's fat or whatever? I mean, there I were years that Skylar was on, um, we, we've gone the gamut of meds and they, you know, they work for a period of time and then they don't and then whatever. And they tried a different one for him and it's an appetite suppressant just by default, one of the side effects. And I constantly kept monitor of it. The kid did eat, but he just, he never sits. He's always pacing, always pacing. So he's yes. burning thousands of calories a day because he doesn't sit. And then we're only getting a thousand calories or so into him because he just refuses to eat. But the medication was helping his behavior. So it's like, eh, what do you do? But I was so afraid people were going to call social services and say, they are starving this child. He was all bones. He looked horrible. I look back at pictures and, and I'm like, knew? oh my God. But well, I knew what was happening. You knew. 
Cooper's put on weight because of meds, meds that have significantly changed his life, given him a chance, yeah. improved his mental health, his well-being, and because of it, he has put on weight. I know that. Like, I know that. His dad knows that. It's a, it's a discussion in our home. We're doing the best we can. So I think that's where, when people strike at your vulnerabilities, that's what that's what gets you the most. It's like about your children. I mean, yeah. that's off limits, you know, and that's what's hard because you're putting your not. life out there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And they feel justified to like, and I've, I've seen people comment on your stuff before that, well, if she's going to make her life public, she's opening herself up to this. I'm like, no, no, she's really not. You're <laughs> like, opening that's, yourself up that's to how it works. feedback and differing opinions is great. Calling a child fat is neither of them. Yes. That's the difference. Yeah. You can call me a bad mom. I mean, that's, I mean, that, I guess that's an opinion. That's fine. But name calling is not. Yeah. Especially about a kid. I don't know. That's terrible. I mean, I, I love Coop's Troops. Um, like you mentioned, I think it's great because parents are posting questions like, Hey, has anybody had this happen? Has anybody seen this? That is what I've wanted for 15 of his 17 years when I knew this was an issue. So that it has been life-changing. So for anyone that doesn't seem like they're maybe getting value out of find, just following Finding Cooper's Voice and all the negativity, Coop's Troops is definitely something that is worthwhile um, because people that are literally going through your life stories and some of your things can weigh in and give you honest feedback. Like, uh, I don't know that I would do that or whatever. So, One of the I mean, most beautiful stories that happened was a woman who actually wasn't part of Coop's Troops, uh, but we were Facebook friends. I don't, even, we had any, I don't know how we were Facebook friends, but she messaged me and she's like, I have this certain issue with my son. And it was one that I, I'm not going to say it, but it was one that I had never heard about. It was one that was, I would say, very shameful. Um, you don't talk about it publicly. And she goes, I have nowhere to turn. Like, I have nowhere. I'm at my wit's end. I don't know what to do. And I was like, come join this group. I'm going to post an anonymous question and then I'm going to start a private messenger thread and I'm going to find your people. And I, was, I think like, I know what you're talking about. And I think that was so awesome because she so got answers it, and she got a lot of answers, but then five or six women private messaged me that were just, were not comfortable saying it publicly, even though it's not publicly. I mean, still putting your name next to this, that my child has this behavior. And she messaged me a couple of days later because I was watching the chatter happening. It was, I was like crying watching this, these women like come together. And she goes, for the first time I found my people and you gave me that. And I was like, oh, I did it. Like if, if I never do anything else, that's, like it's that's, we, I mean, that's, I guess what I would say, I know that you, you've gotten browbeaten a lot, but I mean, for those moments, at least, you know, I, for one, want to say thank you because had you not been vulnerable and had thick skin and can take some of this abuse that you get, we wouldn't have found each other. I mean, I am so grateful for the moms that, like you said, have the 20 year olds that have been, oh my gosh, their advice that they've given me already just on proloquo and like all these things I've learned has been just immeasurable. And I, I am so grateful and I know I'm going to be connected to them forever now. I mean, I'm not letting them go. <laughs> Whether they want to or not. <laughs> friendships and resources and like yeah. just invaluable. It's just invaluable. 
Yeah. Um, and they're all over the country. So it's not even like, you know, I mean, their situation and half of them have said, why don't you move here? Here's what our benefits are. I'm like, okay, now I'm getting some moving options. Which <laughs> yeah, is something that's so taboo. If you go to a mom's group in person, they're not telling you about their benefits. I'll tell you that because everyone's always worried that their benefits are going to get stolen, which is yeah. so ridiculous. <laughs> but in our group, it's like, this state's amazing because they do this. <laughs> like yeah. come to Minnesota. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. And you've even started, um, through Coop's Troop, I think we've even have the uh, carve outs of like everyone that's in Indiana is on a group together now and or on a messenger. And so people that are near you are also connected. And it's crazy how many people are in there. Like I said, in the beginning, I thought I was one of the only families with an autistic child in Indiana. Oh my God, there's a ton. <laughs> it's like, where have you guys been hiding? We were all in our homes privately, yeah. not talking about it. Misery. I know there's so many moms around me. I had no idea nuts. Well, that's going to be your first thing. You're going to be able to get out of the house and go for walks with these moms. And you guys just talk about anything except your kids. <laughs> except yeah, exactly. So, well, thank you so much. I know you have a lot of fuels in the fire, but I, um, I'm so grateful that you were open and honest years ago and you started finding Cooper's voice and Coop's troop and all that stuff. And I am excited for your book to come out in a year. Um, you know, I just want to read all about your story and your backstory and you're so much more than just Cooper's mom to me. So Thank you're a really good friend of mine now. And I am just so glad that we connected. Me too. Thank yeah, you for having me. For sure. Hopefully we'll meet in person someday. <laughs> when this is over. I know. Well, give a hug to those boys and, um, I'll be talking with you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and will tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.